Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist. A confidence boost before your interview. Or a last minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. like Frank Sinatra have very few regrets in life, probably too few to mention. If I were to make a list of recent regrets over the last few years, though, I think one of the first that come to my mind is the fact that uh, when my wife and I got married uh, just a little over three years ago, we had one of the most famous artists in America, not only someone whose paintings have been celebrated from coast to coast and internationally, but who watching him paint those paintings is a, a a performance in and of itself. And he was in attendance at the wedding, and yet we did not try to get him to be entertainment at the wedding, and he just gave us a plain old regular wedding gift of something lame like cash or something. Had I known or had my, had my wits about me, I would have said, you've got to put on the incredible sort of painting performance that you do that you've raised millions of dollars for charity for all over the years, all, all through the years, all over the country, because people would have gotten a real kick out of that. And I am very, very excited, because joining me for the next hour, is not only one of the most talented artists that I've ever seen, uh, not only somebody who is a great American patriot, and even if you disagree with his politics, is a dogged activist for all the causes that he believes is right, he's also the subject of a fascinating new documentary, which we're going to tell you about in a moment. I am thrilled to welcome somebody that is no stranger to this audience and no stranger to me, uh, my old friend, artist, activist, etc., Scott Lebedo. Scott, great to see you. Awesome, Frank. Always a pleasure, man. I was just telling my buddy Chris, my director, how you started out, what, we were like 11 years old, <laughs> and everybody was blown away. It was cable TV or something, and you were doing this little thing, and people were like, who is this genius guy? He's like, Yeah, I used to. people used to be impressed that I was so much of a prodigy. Now everybody is amazed that I'm so far over the hill and never, <laughs> ever accomplished anything. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. I want to welcome Chris Martini as well. We're going to talk a little bit about Chris's involvement with the documentary Relentless Patriot. Chris, it's great to meet you in person. Frank, thank you very much for having me. And uh, obviously, I'm a big fan of the last name. Uh, I prefer Bombay Sapphire, but uh, to each their own when it comes to martinis, right? It's a lot to live up to. (laughs) All right. Now, Scott, uh, a lot of people know who you are. You've been covered not only on this radio network, but on some of the biggest cable news broadcasts, Fox News, the New York Post, everywhere. But there still might be some people that are unfamiliar with you, and hopefully that's where the documentary Relentless Patriot will help. We'll tell people about that in a second. I think you kind of first got national acclaim, and correct me if I'm wrong, by being the artist that painted American flags in all 50 states around the country. Is that really kind of your first uh, big, uh, um, you know, acclaim nationally? It opened me up. It opened me up. But I started doing the flags back in the uh, early 90s, and I actually started the uh, pro-American activism using my art, you know, as a New York City artist back in the 90s. You know, I went to go find myself in the big city. You know, I'm coming from Staten Island. For those of you who don't know Staten Island, uh, New York City is one of the biggest liberal cities in the world. But Staten Island is like any other little town in West Virginia, Wyoming. It's working class, hardworking firemen, cops, EMTs, sanitation, veterans, military, 
and uh, Patriots. So much of your brand now has come uh, has come to involve being conservative and being an artist. Uh, let's talk about artistry first, right? And then we could talk about how conservatism kind of evolved and where the two met. How long have you been uh, involved in the arts? Uh, since a child. Since I you were a child. Yeah. So always, what sparked always. your interest? It just came natural. My mom was a restless soul. She was a great draftsman, beautiful artist, but she never did anything with it because she had us crazy kids. And my dad, I like to say, can build the Taj Mahal with a Home Depot gift card. <laughs> he built our house that we lived in. It took him five years. He did it by himself. So I sculpt and I paint and I got both of those, you know, I got it all from my parents. And I've always had it. Even in school, I just created, I created. I did a lot of surrealism and wild stuff and monsters and whatever I could do. And then uh, it was back in the 90s where I went to go find myself here in the big city where you could make it anywhere. This is the art mecca, you know, for the for America. And I saw the hatred towards America, our military, our traditional values. In the arts community. Yes. And it totally devastated me. Did you always, even when you were a younger guy, uh, trying to make your way in the arts, did you always identify as a conservative? No. 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 I, it, lived, I chased girls. I did my extracurricular activity as any young 15, you 16, 20. You weren't attending 20... young Republican meetings no, and donating no, to no, Reagan or no, anything like that? No, no. It was back in the early 90s when, you know, I saw, I said, wait a minute, what's going on here? And that's actually... You know, that's a, the Gulf War, it was mm -hmm. 91, and that actually opened my mind up a little bit, you know, took me out of me going out, being the artist, you know, uh, you know, hey, ladies, I'm an artist, and do, you know, I did the thing, I did the thing, and I never really paid attention, and then that knocked my socks off, and I said, here, I have a calling, and I just found it. One of the uh, first things that I think people recognized you for, even if they didn't know you personally, your kind of signature became... A lot of uh, business owners around where we grew up and where we live would take walls that were uh, graffitied and vandalized and uh, uh, walls all around the community that looked like eyesores mm -hmm. and you they'd bring you in and you would unpaint over the graffiti with an American flag, uh, always a different style of American yes, flag, yes. never looked exactly the same, wasn't like this boilerplate, no one, no two American flag murals right. looked exactly the same. There's a lot of people out there that consider that graffiti art, and they use the term graffiti artists. A lot of graffiti artists have as made I do as a artist. lot of money. Yes. So uh, that's what I was going to ask you. What do you think of graffiti as an art form? Well, I, people ask me all the time, didn't you start with the graffiti? I never did anything illegal that way. I know, not that I'm knocking it, but there is some most beautiful... Graffiti is part of our culture, especially in New York. You remember, you remember, I mean, I'm a little older than you. The 70s and 80s, the train stations, every train had graffiti. You know, Chris is, uh, understands. And some of it was just beautiful, like real artwork. But then there's just like three letters spray-painted on, on the side of somebody's beautiful building... Which isn't art. It's just three letters, just like a tag. That That's not art. That's not art. You know? You've become, I want to say in the last 20 years, kind of the go-to guy that when people have, uh, even before uh, Trump, right, you were sort of in the Northeast, the go-to right-of-center populist voice. If there was a protest about tolls, if there was a protest about a cultural issue, if there was a pro, if there was something involving um, the Virgin Mary being um, decorated with elephant dung, for instance, you were kind of... With taxpayers' money. <laughs> with taxpayer money. You were always the kind of the person that people would look to as the voice of the silent majority. Tell me how you kind of grew into that role. That's part of where it came from, which is back in the 90s when I found my calling, when I saw the creative people. Us creatives have more freedoms than anybody else, and that's what blew my mind, that they were biting the hand that feeds them. And that is not only that American flag, but at the men and women that bleed underneath it for us artists to express ourselves and test the boundaries. See, I, more than you, Frank, get to test that boundary. Mm -hmm. Of the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. And it is the most sexiest thing in the world. And for the see the art world, the majority of the art world to, you know, urinate on that, it drew, drew, drew me nuts. And that's where I saw the beginning of political correctness, wokeism, and cancel culture, which was back in the early 90s when I noticed it. And I said, this thing is going to grow tremendous. So I use my art as my voice to fight against this and be 
the voice of people that wanted to fight against it. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Scott Lebedo, a longtime friend of mine. He's a patriotic artist and an activist and the subject of the new documentary, The Relentless Patriot, also joined in studio for the hour by Chris Martini, uh, the director of that documentary, which we're going to tell you about in a moment. Uh, you can learn more about Scott in, and his work and see a lot of his work at uh, scottlobedo.com. That's L-O-B-A-I-D-O. You can also find Scott on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. Uh, I mentioned Donald Trump, and uh, we, we could talk about Trump for five hours and still not cover <laughs> all the ground there is to cover. But one of the recent incidents where you got a lot of acclaim for is you um, you created an art installation of a, dry, a giant uh, kind of Trump tea. Uh, drew his attention. It was vandalized. Uh, Trump called the owner of that uh, of that artwork. Tell me about that. Uh, what was it about uh, Trump that so attracted you to him and allowed it to motivate so much of the artwork that you ended up doing? Trump is exactly like me because I am an artist and the art world refuses to acknowledge that and they will do everything to bring me down. The same thing with Donald Trump. He is not a politician. He's a leader. He's a representative Okay? The reason that we have all of this woke stuff that's going on right now, the reason we have this is Donald Trump, not because he got elected. Donald Trump got elected because the left took it too far. This is before Trump. They went too far. I watched this grow for 30 years as well as you did. And that's the number one reason Trump got elected. And I said, that's the guy. When he, when they, he had his first rally in Chicago mm-hmm. and they shut him down. You remember that? Yeah. They shut this man's down to become the president, to want to become the... I said, that's, I said, that's the next president of the United States, and he better be. Tell me about your conversation with uh, Donald Trump when he called you when the Trump tea that you had created was vandalized. Yeah, we, I just put up this 12-foot red, white, and blue tea just to represent Trump because everybody's lawn signs that said Trump were getting destroyed. So I just put this giant red, white, and blue tea up, and the next day it was on a friend of mine's property... Uh, Sam Prevazola, who's actually just uh, became yeah, the state assembly. Yeah. Yep. Um, and he lets me use his property to do all sorts of artwork. And he said, put it up. And the next day, somebody set it on fire. And that thing was 10 feet away from his house. Wow. Where his family was. So it became a national story. And we reached out to the Trump campaign. And Trump called the house while we were there because I was building it. You know, and then I got mm-hmm. on the phone with him. And he said, uh, yeah, you guys are great. He first actually he said, "Ah, you, you're a little too, you're a little more famous than me today." <laughs> you know his ego thing, which was funny. It was a joke, you know, because I was it was this the biggest sure. news story, and I said, "Don't worry, Mr. Trump, I'm going to make it bigger. It's going to be huge," <laughs> and he got a kick out of that. So we built it bigger. Uh, and, I'm going to play folks the trailer to the documentary, but tell me, um, you've also done a lot of work to. Uh, commemorate the September 11th attacks. I know uh, Mount Loretto, which is kind of the hub of uh, Catholic charities in uh, in New York City, they displayed uh, an art installation that you created to honor the victims of the uh, September 11th attacks. Uh, tell me, tell me, how do you decide which causes to focus on? You focused on veteran suicide. You focused on Mother Cabrini when Mother Cabrini was under attack. Uh, the uh, situation in Afghanistan, as I alluded to, the September 11th attacks. There's only so many hours we all have in the day. You somehow managed to cram in 50 hours worth of work in only a 24-hour day. How do you pick what causes that you're going to showcase in your art? That's a good question. Whatever peaks, whatever gets to the top of the pot because there's so many and it just, I just feel it. And it's like, I need to keep this going because we go through stuff so quickly nowadays with technology and social media. So a couple of days later, there's this art installation that's there for weeks and months and it makes you keep thinking about that important issue. All right. Well, there's a documentary out. Well, that will soon be out about you called the relentless Patriot. And we're going to find out how you and uh, Chris Martini uh, met and how this collaboration came to be and where people will be able to see uh, this documentary. But first, and if you want to see the visual, of this documentary, which I it really encourage you to do because a lot of it is visual. Go to scottlobedo.com. That's L-O-B-A-I-D-O.com. But this is what the trailer to The Relentless Patriot sounds like. 11-month-old girl shot in the face because of woke criminal love and district attorneys. Come on, murder This is a street performance. Seems like all the artist activists are on the left. Ah. Except for Scott Lebedo. I do not conform to the elitist isms of the art clubs, and they have left me like a redheaded stepchild. 
This is my medium in which I shall create, and this is my canvas, the front of the Brooklyn Museum. The first most important thing in school, or anywhere else, is the Pledge of Allegiance. This is not a pro-war protest. This has to do with the increasing level of anti-Americanism. They don't keep the criminals in jail, they're not gonna keep you in jail. This line is to show respect and honor to those who died. Got shot in the fucking head, protecting us. You try to take that fucking blue line down. I'll paint it till the day I die. When the towers came down, there was absolutely no doubt uh, that that feeling. It was gonna change my life. And it did. When somebody's complaining, ah, it's so cold out, you know, the, the traffic. And here I am, drinking with one of these guys who's got one arm, he's got a hook for another arm, and he's drinking a f***ing beer, having a laugh with me, and he's not bitching about nothing. I present to you the recipient of this year's VFW Americanism Award, Mrs. Scott Lavedo. That's it. I want to paint a flag on a rooftop in every state near a military base. There's a veteran we all fought for our flag in World War II. And today, we want to see it flying. They will never, as long as I am alive, they will never take the American flag down. You want to burn one? Then I will find out where you work, and I will find the building across the street and paint a flag 50 by 100, so you have to see it every day. A pro-Trump sign on the front lawn of a Staten Island home was burned to the ground. The hate I get is astronomical. If everybody liked me, I'd be doing something wrong. My mother's advice, whatever you do with your life, as long as you believe it in your heart and always take care of those less fortunate. My father's advice was, son, take Nobody. This is about control they are and division. We must unite. We must take a stand. Are you ready? Left, 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 right, left. God didn't give me a gun and a bayonet. He gave me paint and brush, and I will fight to the fucking death for this country. Get on up. Get on up. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. That, of course, is Neil Diamond and what most people would think is his most patriotic song. Uh, Neil Diamond uh, featured in a new Broadway musical, which is just getting rave reviews. I haven't seen it yet, but a whole bunch of people that I have spoken to have said it's terrific. And it fits with our theme for the hour because we're joined in studio by uh, Scott Lebedo, a patriotic artist and activist. And Chris Martini, the director of a new documentary, which you'll soon be able to see, called The Relentless Patriot. And you just heard the trailer from it. You could see the trailer at scottlebedo.com. Chris, um, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, Scott, um, how did you and Scott uh, get together? Were you aware of Scott's work prior to you beginning to work on this documentary? So I, you know, I was making films uh, my whole life, and you know, during during the pandemic, uh, I had to shut down my business, and my my landlord, who's a conservative, uh, said you should interview Scott Lebedo because I was working on a documentary series that I wanted to shoot. Uh, you know, I was pr- profoundly disturbed by the riots, the George Floyd riots, just seeing our country dest- destroyed, and you know, so I interviewed Scott. It was ended up being a three-hour interview, and during that interview, I realized, you know, all the things that Scott's been protesting for 
over the years, like 30 years, you know, was in complete alignment with the things that I'm concerned about. You know, like I've done a lot of work on my with my films uh, on veterans. And, you know, this this film got me to expand into law enforcement because, you know, I found I I was profoundly disturbed by the attacks on our law enforcement but there's also, you know, the attack on Christian Christianity. Um, you know, Scott's protested for all these things: the the pledge of the, the allegiance, pledge of allegiance, standing up for our flag, um, just standing up for America in general. So th- through him, I was able to tackle all these subjects that I cared deeply about. And you know, I've I've I knew that once I made this film with Scott, I would be taking a new road in my career. You know as as a conservative so it was a very uh, scary thing for me to do but all my all my work with veterans taught me one thing that you know they fought and and got maimed and many lost their lives so that we could have our freedom of mm. of speech you know and and for me working in in Hollywood you know I always felt something was off I felt there was you know I felt ashamed for you know, loving my country. And when I made these films about veterans, I was saying, Hey, look, look what they go through. And often I found that nobody cared. So, um, unlike Scott, you were involved in sort of the public eye at a relatively young age. You started out as a child actor, right? I I was my stepfather who just passed away was angel in the Rockford files. And he won uh, two Emmy Awards. So I come from a film fam- family. My my brother Max is an actor. He was in one of the best war pictures of all time, Saving Private Ryan. That's right. right? Yeah. His first film was Contact, uh, which I shot the audition tape for. And then he went on to do Saving Private Ryan and all these other, uh, you know. And then so during that time, my brother and I were both doing this, these movies. I made a movie called Trooper about an Iraq veteran, and that's sort of what started this whole process for me. Uh, same question I asked to Scott earlier. Were you always a conservative? You know, it, it started with 9-11. Something happened to me during 9-11, and that's why I made Trooper. And I made Trooper to show, you know, what our veterans go through when they come home dealing with, you know, physical and mental injuries and, you know, battling the VA. And, you know, that, that film taught me so much about our country. And what I realized was that, you know, people love to say they support veterans, but do they really support veterans? And, you know, there's always this distaste, you know, and that film got very close to changing my life and changing my career. Trooper. Trooper. Wow. It got very close to getting into Sundance and Tribeca. I was talking with the programmers and, you know, it had its flaws, but I think that it was just a little bit too patriotic for them. Uh, tell me about, um, do you, one of the things I've spoken with uh, a lot of, Robert Davi, for instance, and a number of other people who are unabashed conservatives, and uh, Robert Davi has said that he believes the fact that he was conservative has absolutely hurt him in in Hollywood over the years. Not maybe not so much now because there's this whole kind of conservative uh, backlash to elitism or uh, liberal Hollywood or whatever you want to call it. But he believes that he's been hurt by the fact that he's been so outspoken about conservatism, and he wouldn't have been hurt had he been so outspoken about um, you know the being outwardly left wing. Do you find that you've been hurt by being conservative in a field that's not exactly known for be for showcasing conservatism? Well, you know, the, again, the riots is what made me want to vocalize myself. That's the first time that I started vocalizing myself because I just can't sit back and watch this happen to my country, you know. And so when when I when I met Scott, you know, the, so it's all I'm I'm in the middle of it right now. I don't really know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, but all I know is that, you know, my my father was a sculptor from Rome and he was, you know, kind of blacklisted from the art community also. So it's probably another reason mm. why I wanted to do this documentary on Scott. So, uh, we're talking with Chris Martini and Scott Lebedo. Uh We're going to tell you how you will soon be able to see the uh, documentary that uh, the, t- the two of these gentlemen have collaborated on, The Relentless Patriot. You could see the trailer for now 
at uh, scottlebedo.com. Tell me about the production of the documentary. How long did you how long did you guys film for? How much of Scott's life did you chronicle in in documenting this, you know, documentary? So, you know, I've I've done a lot of editing working as a as a union editor also, you know, in addition to directing and producing my own films and and I actually don't enjoy editing at all and Scott gave me a suitcase full of, you know, 30 years of of you know, VHS tapes VHS and all this stuff that, you know, I was like, I, I promised myself I would never do this again. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and I ended up filming Scott for three years. And I have to admit, you know, it it it, it satisfied Three me. years about. Three years following him around with the camera. But I really enjoyed it because, the, you know, Scott is speaking about things that are happening right now. Like my father, the sculptor always told me to be contemporary in my art and to deal. And sometimes politics are the, the only way to be contemporary, you know? And so he was, you know, he was protesting. I was filming him. I filmed him in front of the DA office, pouring blood all over the street. You know, this was at a time when, you know, my property in Dallas was getting vandalized and the cops couldn't arrest people, you know? So this is like, mm. this is about stuff that we're all that I'm experiencing that we're all experiencing. So, you know, it, it, it helped, you know, help push me through this, you know, and Scott's just fun to hang out with. I and love, I love driving around this city with the giant, we, the people flag. Yeah, and especially getting if all it's, the uh, it's blaring the patriotic music uh, loudly for uh, people on the Upper East Side to hear. That's always fun. Um, tell me, you know, as you alluded to, you know, I, I've hung out with Scott a bit and uh, spent a great deal of time on radio and television with him over the years. He's a wild man. He's he's out of his mind. What surprised you most about doing this documentary or about spending so much time with this guy for three years? Is Scott's a really good human being. You know, I, I, he he's already shown his loyalty to me personally. So, you know, that that helps. You know, I've I've. I come from a family of artists. I know artists well. I know how artists behave. And so, you know, but... But you'll never do this again with me. No, just one. <laughs> okay, let's get that out. I can, I can imagine. So uh, here's the million-dollar question. Are people able to see this documentary now? If not, when will they be able to see it and how? Chris? So, you know, the reality is that making a film that deals with this subject matter, we are the underdog and it's going to be, you know, quite a push to get this scene. You know, there's a lot of people that don't want this kind of subject matter available. It gives them a bad taste and, you know, and so we're, but we're already getting offers, you know, we've, we've had, you know, people contact, contact us out of the blue. But the film's done though, right? The film is the film is finished. We have a trailer. If you go to my YouTube page Christopher Martini and just put in YouTube the Relentless Patriot trailer, you know, share the trailer, you know, like it, subscribe and that, you know, that's how we're going to get the best offer. That's that's the way that you know, I believe it might get in the right hands. We actually have just signed on a great producer who has relationships at all the networks. So we're hoping that, that somebody takes a chance on this film. They look at their numbers and they realize that, you know, half or more than half of the country, you know, is is wanting films about this kind of stuff. Nobody is making films for them. I, I just uh, also just linked to it on my Facebook page. If people want to see the trailer, it's at facebook.com slash Morano fan. I see uh, that you got my friend Curtis Lee in the trailer. It must have been tough to get Curtis to agree to appear on camera, right? He's usually no, very was... shy and reserved and doesn't oh, like oh, to. Oh, okay, uh, you're being sarcastic. He's like, like telling to me the same seen. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when, when Chris says, you know, we're looking for the best kind of offer, it's not about money. We're not. If, I, if it was about money, I would have been a rich man a long time ago. And Chris, you know, Chris agreed. I did something that wasn't easy and because it was right. And Chris is doing the same thing. He's putting his life on the line, his career. We've pumped in so much money into this of our own money. And this is a battle cry. This movie is a battle cry. It's not an egotistical movie. Yeah, I'm a middle child. I like to be the center of attention and let people see my paintings and my expressions. But it's it's a battle cry. And it's, it's, it's just the timing is just right now. To wake people up, I scream every day on my Instagram, people to wake up quickly in a nutshell. This, you know, Newsmax just got shut, you know, AT&T and, and DirecTV just squashed them. 
Like, what, 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 do you actually believe this is happening in this country right now? And who do I blame? I yell at the people that say that they are soldiers in this fight. You have to boycott things like that. You have to call up and say, I am not going to participate in your company for doing something so un-American. And, like you know, I know you a long time, Scott. I, I think if it were a left-wing network that were being banned, uh, I think you'd be just as vocal Absolutely. in terms of uh, that kind of corporate censorship. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's funny. You, you know, I was a producer for uh, the Netflix documentary Get Me, Roger Stone, and that's a documentary that I think that you can enjoy whether you're, you like Trump, whether you don't like Trump. And Dan Rather, who obviously doesn't like Trump and doesn't like uh, Roger Stone, became a big backer of the film. And one of the things he said was that um, this was really just such a great story. And if you are rooting for Stone, if you're rooting for Trump or you're rooting against them, you could still get a lot out of the documentary. My question for both of you is, let's say someone's not conservative. Let's say they're, you know, totally left wing or they're apolitical, right, which some people still are nowadays. Can you still get something out of the relentless patriot? Can you enjoy the film if you don't share Scott's politics or your politics? Absolutely. So, you know, the the trailer that you just heard was sort of the conservative, you know, all bringing out all our guns, you know, look at me trailer, you know, but when you when you watch the actual film, my father again, the sculptor, taught me about dialectics. You have to show the other side, and that's the basis of drama is conflict. You know, so we don't want everybody to agree with Scott. You know, so we I interview a lot of people that don't agree with Scott. So you get the other side, and I I think that a lot of people are going to be interested in watching this film. Um, for many different reasons. There will be people that want to see how Scott survived in the art world as a conservative. I mean, that's that's very interesting also, you know, but there are people that... And the art itself is just very sound. I mean, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, if even if they're watching it because they don't like Scott and they want to see him fail or they want to criticize it or whatever, I think when you go through... The actual film, you'll see that we've shown, you know, that we've told a really good story, as you said, and that, you know, we as conservatives are empathetic people and that we're we have good intentions and we have a lot of love. And that's what I think comes through. This there there movie. is a unifying aspect, believe it or not, at the end of the film that kind of says, well, how we can kind of get together and fix this. Great. Although it's raw and hard coming from me, you'll understand how he, the, the magic man, the director, how he created to say, okay, this guy's out of his mind. He's a conservative, blah, blah, blah. But I see his point where he's, you know, primitively using his art to try to bring us together again. You know, part, part of like where we have to come as a nation is that we have to truly see each other's sides. And I think that in the film industry, you see the other side, you know, everywhere. Nobody sees our side, you know, and that's, that's part of, of our, of their evolution as, as well as it is ours. But when you, when you watch this movie, you'll, you know, we take you on a journey to show that we're not, all these things that they accuse us of, you know. If people just tuning in, we're talking with Scott Lebedo and Chris Martini. By the way, if you have an art lover in your life, and especially if they happen to be uh, conservative or very patriotic, there's a lot of great artwork that you can uh, purchase at scottlebedo.com. And you can even get a uh, signed copy of Scott's uh, flag art book, which uh, you were kind enough to just give me a copy. And I love the inscription to Frank Morano, the smartest guy I know, which tells me you may know less than a dozen people, but uh, I appreciate it very. I appreciate it uh, nonetheless. Uh, and by the way, your your mom was a big listener of mine. Obviously, before she passed away, she didn't exactly share your politics either. No, and she loved what you were doing. So it is possible you do have fans across the political spectrum. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. All right, many, many, many. And my mother, yes, she was your biggest fan, and I was shocked. She Not was, that you were a conservative, you know, you're middle of the road, but for her... Well, I think she uh, appreciated... She was old school. And she also was uh, a night owl, right? She she uh, she kept late hours, which yes. I like. Um, but uh, do check out scottlebedo.com. I want to pick your brain, both of you, on a few issues that are in the news. Uh, but 
One issue not related to current events uh, directly, but sort of related to it, is the issue of AI art. A lot of people are concerned about this, right? Uh, that you can now go to a, a one of a hundred different apps, type in a text prompt, and uh, you say, give me an American flag in the style of Scott Lebedo, and it produces in seconds uh, a piece of art generated by a computer. A lot of artists are frustrated about this. There's a lawsuit now about this. Where do you come down on the issue of AI art? Uh, I'm, as an artist, I'm fine with it. I mean, look, the computer started this a long time ago. It took away, you know, the printing. I mean, you can go back to when they started doing printing on paper, mm-hmm. reproducing someone's artwork. You know, we do it all the time now. I have lithographs. I have limited edition prints. This is just another aspect of that. And as an artist that gets physically dirty and gets covered in paint, that will never, this AI art would never, ever, ever compare to this. You know, it's just the new coming of age, but it's just like anything else. You're it's not frightened be, at no, all about no, this. No, all right, no. good. Uh, Somebody's love to always going to want an original, tangible, smell that oil paint original canvas. And you can get it at scottlebedo.com. We're going to continue with Scott Lebedo and Chris Martini in a moment. I want to pick uh, Scott's brain about uh, the highest profile person to be banned from Facebook He's back, also back on Instagram, and there was a lot of controversy over the uh, the blue line flag being prohibited in Los Angeles. Scott's had some involvement in that, and uh, we'll pick both Scott and Chris's brain on a few different issues that are in the news. If you want to call in, we'll try and get to as many of your calls as possible, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Uh, I tell you, I don't know uh, how many people are held on a pedestal by both uh, Al Sharpton and Donald Trump, and I think James Brown happens to be one. A terrific, terrific song and very apropos of the conversation that we're having with uh, Scott Lebedo, longtime artist, conservative activist, and uh, he is the subject of the new documentary, The Relentless Artist. You can check out Scott's artwork and see the documentary to the trailer at scottlobedo.com. That's L-O-B-A. IDO.com. I've just also linked to it on uh, my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Morano fan. And Chris Martini is the director of that documentary. He's a veteran of the uh, motion picture and entertainment business as well. And it's good to have both of you here. Um, before we uh, run out of time, and you know, let me, Sean has been holding a while. Sean in Brooklyn, you're on with uh, Scott Lebedo and uh, Chris Martini. Uh, wh- what's on your mind, Sean? Love you. You and Dominic need to start, start your own TV show called Let's Keep It Real. <laughs> Thanks. Is I appreciate Cuomo? it. Cuomo with his new show? Uh, Chris Cuomo with his new show or Andrew? No, Chris. Uh, of course. I-, I saw the first episode. I thought I was very <laughs> fair in my, my critique. He changed. He's no longer a liberal. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Shocking. It's amazing how that happens. It's a, but Sean, I'm real, real quick, anyway, Sean, I, I, I want to get to some other folks. What, what's on your mind? What, what do you have for these guys? You're talking about art. I grew up in Brooklyn. You see, obviously, uh, you can tell. Uh, but you're talking, see, it's, a, it's subjective. The guy who you know, is painting, you know, whatever he's painting, oh, of course it's art. But if I come and spray paint my name across Frank Morano's front door, is that art, Frank? That's that's vandalism. Yeah, certainly not. I think that's something. I think that's something we can all agree yeah, on, right? I agree. I mean, as an um, artist, I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, vandalism is something that I don't think anybody, you know, wherever they fall politically or wherever they fall in terms of their art preferences, nobody's got a tolerance uh, for that. The 
Thin Blue Line artwork that you've done is something that a lot of people are looking at anew because of what's going on in Los Angeles. If people didn't hear my conversation about this earlier in the week, the police chief in Los Angeles is prohibiting uh, officers with the LAPD from uh, displaying a a blue line flag on their vehicles, their police vehicles, or on their uniforms because they say that this symbol has become... uh, I I don't even understand uh, the rationale for it, quite frankly. You did something similar in front of a police precinct here in New York. You painted a thin blue line. Why? What was the motivation behind that, Scott? What were you trying to do or what statement were you trying to make? I've always used my artwork to support the police department over the last several decades, but of late, as we all know, the last seven, eight years, including now, the police department has been humiliated, degraded, just demoralized to no end. And we all know police officers. We live in Staten Island. The majority of people on that island are civil servants, and we know them personally. We know that they are human beings. They have wives that cheat on them. They have children that are dying of cancer. They have a father who's has dementia, they're human beings, and to see them demoralized constantly, specifically by the leaders of this great city, like de Blasio, who I don't even want to mention his name. When he put those Black Lives Matter murals down, as an artist, we just had this conversation, I actually thought it was pretty clever art. But he had to have a permit to do that. De Blasio did not have a permit. So it was constantly building the demoralization of these police department and it was horrible. So what does the blue line represent? It represents, it honors and remembers those who lost their lives in a line of duty, period. It does not have anything to do with racism or anti-anything. It sickens me. So I painted a 1,000-foot-long blue line right down the middle of Highland Boulevard in front of the precinct. And the next day I get a letter from the city saying, cease and desist, remove this blue line or you will be fined and jailed. And I refused, and I went up against him in the media, and I said, de Blasio, you show me your permit that you had to do the Black Lives Matter, then I will take this blue line up. And two days later, he came out and he said, I did not have a permit. So that blue line is still there two and a half years later, and it will be there till the day I die. I, I pass it every day. And so what are the rules regarding public art now, especially when it comes to things that might involve some sort of an a- some sort of activism? Now, I remember uh, the president of our radio network, uh, Chad Lopez, he said to me when they put up those Black Lives Matter murals, he said, can I go and just paint a giant Hispanic Lives Matter, um, you know, mural in the middle of the street? What with rules, a permit. But so, but you and de Blasio both didn't have a permit for your artwork, Well, right? that's why I got away with it. Right. The so city can... just left me alone. <laughs> there was nothing. They left me alone. My lawyers, you know, I think it was Mark Fonte at the time, uh, well, uh, Lou Jeremino, yeah. they were like, no, man, you're right. This is you. He didn't have a permit, and this is the new can of worms opened up. If you think about it through the riots that Chris was talking about, right. they use spray paint, permanent paint to destroy beautiful historic buildings, and they have it all on film, and not one of those punks got a summons or anything, and they're on film doing it, but yet they wanted to take me down because I painted a blue line just Yeah, it is great to see when I drive uh, past it uh, every day. It's it's really wonderful. Um, I alluded to this earlier. The decision came about uh, seven hours ago that Meta was restoring uh, President Trump to both uh, Facebook and Instagram after about a two-year hiatus following the January 6th uh, riot. What's your take on what uh, what Facebook and Meta and uh, Instagram are doing well, here? Well, I went up against Trump. Facebook in front of their headquarters and pulled one of my stunts because they they squashed me as well. We have, excuse me, we have known terrorists that have their social media platforms and the president of the United States is taken down because of people are so sensitive and woke. It's just, it blows your mind. It just blows your mind. It blows your mind. It just, I, I, I'm pissed off that people don't understand how bad this is right now that we just let this stuff happen and we keep paying these companies that do this stuff to us. 
It, it blows my mind. Uh, Chris, any take on uh, these social media companies? Now Trump's back on Twitter, back on Facebook, back on Instagram. And the, the rumor is this week, and who knows what's accurate, but that he's reluctant to uh, re-up his exclusive content deal with Truth Social, which is the uh, social media network that he founded as sort of an alternative to a lot of the censorship on the other platforms. What does this mean, you think, going forward for free speech, for social media and for Donald Trump? Well, you know, since since I made this film and I put out this trailer, all I can tell you is is that, you know, a, a lot of my liberal fil- friends have left me, you know, but many are still there. And I, I can say that sharing this trailer, you know, people were getting odd messages, you know, accounts, you know, like disinformation. That's never happened to me. I mean – I come from a film family, you know, we've established ourselves in the business. That's never, ever happened to me until now. And so, you know, I, but I, I think that conservatives need to stay on these platforms. They need to stay on Facebook and, you know, Instagram and, and as well as the conservative platforms to just not give up. I mean, we we need a, a voice, and you know, we we can't just let them win. And, you know? and one of the things that I said uh, when Elon Musk took over Twitter, and a lot of conservatives ended up coming back to it, and you saw liberals abandon Twitter and go to other platforms like uh, Mastodon or other similar things. I said that liberals should stay on Twitter as well because I personally feel it's healthy to have sort of a digital town square where people of varying political persuasions could interact with one another. I don't think it's healthy for, you know, um, Twitter to be seen as Fox News and Facebook to be seen as MSNBC. Agreed, but it should have been that way. It stopped before the social media aspect, the the interaction in the in the bars and the taverns. We always had that. I was always right. the I was always the conservative at the Cargo Cafe. Sure. A liberal bastion and we got along. We 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 disagreed, but we got along. So, what do you think changed, and when did it change? The leaders of the left movements went too far left. That is the answer I tell everybody. We are a country that balance. We go in the seventies and sixties. We were a little more liberal, not too much, and then in the eighties we were a little conservative. We always fluctuate, but the left took this to the bleeping stratosphere, and you cannot do that because you woke up the sleeping giant. And now it's a clash. Now it's a clash. The only way to fix this is that the left has to pull those reins back. We're talking with uh, Scott Lebedo and Chris Martini. Uh, You could see their work in The Relentless Patriot. The best way, if people want to uh, keep up to date with when they'll be able to see The Relentless Patriot on a streaming network or somewhere else, is what? Is it it to uh, go to the trailer website or do something else? What's the best way for them to make sure that they don't miss this when it is available? And obviously we'll have you guys back. ScottLevato.com, my Instagram, triple martini prod, one word. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be posting everything there. Scott, uh, one of the things that I mentioned was you were really seen as kind of um, not just a New York hero, but kind of a patriotic hero for the creative way that you painted flags. Uh, I think whether it was you who said it yourself or others, you were seen as somebody that was making patriotism cool again, not necessarily stodgy and your grandfather's variety of flag waving. Um, Then when you became a little bit more outspoken in your artwork, when you'd uh, do things like showing a show, uh, a painting of uh, president Biden without a head and hands or uh, show, um, you know, uh, Bill de Blasio with, uh, you know, a, a jackass and, uh, you know, a heap of dung, for instance. People said that that you were kind of damaging your own brand, which was focused on patriotism and engaging in, I don't know, um, sophomoric meme-style artwork, which was beneath you. What would you say to those folks, Scott? Uh, I, I love the criticism. You learn to love criticism. I am an artist, and some artists provoke one emotion, whether it's a landscape to soothe you in that moment, but there's other artists like myself who provoke the various emotions. I will have you calm when I do something in memorial tribute, and then I will have you nuts with something I do politically that you don't agree with. Art is to provoke emotion, and what I do is not always pretty. It's not supposed to be pretty. You can call it sophomore. I mean, the art world has called me a jingoist, a Nazi for painting the flags 
So the criticism to me, I am an artist, and I paint what I feel, and I paint what people want to say. I say it with my voice a lot, but I also use the canvas, and it's not always pretty. And sometimes it is very amateur and sophomoric because it is just a message. It's a quick one. I don't have two months to do right. this beautiful, you know, thr- sometimes it's just a stick figure kind of thing, and it's bam, but the message is there. Pow. Have you gotten involved in the whole NFT movement at all? Is there a way for me to buy a Scott Lebedo NFT? I tried it. I tried it out. We tried it, and apparently the NFT thing just took a little dive, and it disappeared. So it's it's not still- your thing. No, I mean, I tried it. Like I said, I still have something floating around, but uh, it's just, you know, it's just uh, just trying to get keep up with everybody else and do something different, give people another small, cheap option to get something. You know, like I said earlier, it's not my thing, but, you know. Uh, any always... thoughts on what Trump did with the NFT trading cards, either from a, a branding point of view or how you thought they looked or any thoughts at no, all? I got no opinion. No opinion. No. Um, if you go to scottlebedo.com and uh, if people do want to buy uh, some of your artwork, can they actually commission you to do something unique for them? Yes. Yes. I take commissions. I have uh, signed prints on my website, signed canvas prints. But, uh, yeah, I get... Uh, commissions people to say oh, i want this i want that you know sometimes it's not cheap well gotta make a living we and got a movie naturally. to make right hey uh, believe me I, I absolutely get it all right you can check it all out at uh, scottlebedo.com you can also uh see the trailer on my facebook page facebook.com slash morano fan or you can go to chris martini's instagram page uh, or you can just search on the youtube chris uh, martini and a, a whole world opens up gentlemen this has been a lot of fun thank you Awesome. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure, Thank Frank. You. And when the movie's out, you got to come back. We'll, um, you know, maybe oh, yeah, we'll, we we'll do the show from the screening. If you do a, a big screening, maybe we'll have some tickets to give away. We'll do something fun. So, we love that. Uh, Scott Lebe- And I want to thank you for this book. And if, I do recommend if people want to check out Old Glory Through the Eyes of Scott Lebedo. It's a beautiful 8 by 10 book. It makes a great coffee table book. You can actually see the rooftops of American Flags that uh, Scott's painted in uh, in Texas and in uh, all over the country and it's really uh, beautiful and pretty inspiring and even if um, even if you're not an American I know we have a lot of Canadian listeners and French and people listening all over the world the quality of the artwork is uh, absolutely superb it's uh, old Glo- glory through the eyes of Scott Levator you can check it out on Scott's website thank you gentlemen thank you Frank always a pleasure brother if you want to comment on any portion of my conversation with Scott Levator and Chris Martini you're welcome to give me a call 800 800- 848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Coming up in a moment, uh, one of the most influential columnists in American history has called it quits. I'll give you my take. A little bit later, we'll go live to Atlantic City for the AC Report. And Brian Kilmeade will give us his thoughts on the news of the day. A lot of show to get to for the next three hours. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Keep asking questions. <laughs> 